1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all fountains of water, and to all brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. Now, let me stop right here just a second, because I won't throw this in here. It's a good little nugget. It ain't in the message, so i got to throw it in here right now. Do you see the little contrast right there? You see, you got Obadiah. He's trying to feed and water the, the people of God, the men of God. And then you got Ahab, he's just worried about his animals and, uh, and all that. They're both, they both found, eventually, I'm assuming, found what they, found what they needed for what they wanted. Here's, here's a little thought I put right there just in my mind next to this little passage right here, and that is people find a way to do what they want to do. That's right. If you want to find bread and water for the, to serve God with, you'll find it. And if you're trying to find, if, if, if your mules and your stuff is important to you, you'll find a way to take care of that. Amen. People find a way to do what's important to them. Anyway, all right. Back to the scripture here, all right. Y'all can tell that wasn't in the message, but I wanted it to be. And so just couldn't find anywhere to stick it in my outline. But anyway, all right. Verse 6. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. Verse 7, And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned, that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and, of, uh, and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come to tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth." Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid an hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. I'm going to stop reading right there. And I want to preach on this thought tonight. Just want to talk about the Lord just for a few minutes this evening and some things we can learn about Him from our text tonight. And I want to preach on this thought that God is the God of the right now. He's the God of the right now. 
The Bible says that he is a present help in a time of trouble. Uh, God told Moses, he said, I am that I am. He's not the I was. He's not even necessarily the I will be. He's the I am. He is right now. Everything that he is, he is right now. And he is the God of the present. He is the God of the right now. You say, well, I believe that. I just don't know where I see that in this text. Well, just hold on with me just for a second. And uh, we're going to look at it together. And I, I want to just to think about that thought tonight. The God of the right now. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us as we study the Word tonight. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have to open up the Word of God and examine these things. And Lord, I pray that we would do so, Lord, to know you better. Lord, may that be our goal tonight. May that be our aim. May that be our desire, Lord, to know you and to love you more, to serve you better. And Lord, I pray that you touch me tonight. Lord, I need a special touch from you this evening. I need your help. And Lord, I pray that you would help me tonight. And uh, Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, when we get to verse number 1 of chapter 18, we're in a new chapter here. And the story here, the scene is that this drought is finally coming to a close. It's in the third year. It'll be a total of three and a half years is what Jesus said in the New Testament. But it's been over three years since heaven's faucet had been shut off. And God's ready to cut it back on. He's ready to turn it back on. Before, a few, uh, and before He does that, though, a few events are going to take place in chapter 18. Now, one of those events before God turns the water back on in Israel is that He wants to meet with this man by the name of Obadiah. And that's what we're looking at right now. Of course, another event that's going to take place, probably the main event in chapter number 18, is the showdown on Mount Carmel. In fact, I don't like to call it a showdown. I like to call it a show-off, amen, because that's exactly what's going on on Mount Carmel. I can't wait to get to that in weeks to come. I love that text, Mount, uh, Mount Carmel, and, uh, and God sending fire down and showing everybody exactly who the real God is, who the only God is. And, uh, and the reason God does that, I think, and not that we can know every bit of God's motives, but I think the reason is because God wants everybody to know who it is that cut the water off and who it is that's cutting the water back on. And God didn't want Baal getting any credit for anything. If God just sent a cloud and sent some rain, then somebody could say, well, look what Baal has done. So before God does any of that, before He sends a cloud and sends the rain and, and sends any, any, any water at all, before He does that, He takes Baal's nose and He just shoves it down in the dirt real good. And, uh, and I like it. I, I like it real good. I'm excited about preaching on that. But before that, we get this story of Obadiah. And it's very interesting here about... Uh, about uh, this man named Obadiah. He's a servant. Uh, he's living in Ahab's house. In fact, he's governor of Ahab's house. He would be the administrator, the governor of all the affairs that's going on. That's a pretty big job, Ahab's king of Israel. And uh, Obadiah would be over everything that's going on in, uh, in his house. He's working for Ahab. Obadiah is, though he works for Ahab, he is a Servant of the Lord, no doubt about that. In fact, his very name, that's what it means. That's what Obadiah means. It means servant of the Lord. Obadiah is serving God, and that's exactly, that's exactly what he did with his life. And I thought about as we see Obadiah and Elijah interacting and talking to one another, and we really get a really good glimpse of a, of a good contrast, a good distinction here, in this sense right here, that every servant of the Lord is not alike. 
there's no two servants alike. God doesn't have some kind of a clone army. He calls and He equips people differently for different tasks. God has not called you to do what He's called me to do. And God's not called me to do what He's called you to do. We all have our own jobs. It's amazing how you see Elijah, God has given him a public ministry. God has given him a confrontational ministry. God has given him a ministry in such, as such where he is to stand before King Ahab and, and, and declare that God is going to judge Israel and he's going to cut the water off. And he is an out front, on the platform, in your face kind of ministry. But then you got somebody like Obadiah where he is uh, somebody who has a private ministry. He is somebody who is behind the scenes. He is somebody who has, uh, has, a, has, a, has a ministry that nobody... It's a secret ministry. And, and, and I read some behind some writers that really give Obadiah a hard time because of his secret ministry, saying that he ought to be more like Elijah and just be out front and open. But can I tell you, God has different people doing different things, different ways. I'm glad Obadiah was where he was. He was able to spare a hundred prophets uh, from starving to death and from the sword of Jezebel. Uh, and so God had him for a unique time and a unique place and a unique purpose. You better be careful uh, putting a cookie cutter on all of God. So that's not the way this is. Not everybody's going to stand behind a pulpit. Not everybody's going to do what you do. God called you and He'll equip you and He wants you to do right where you're, do what you want, need to do for God right where you're at. It's amazing Elijah would be what I'd call maybe a full-time servant, right? He's the prophet. He lives off what God gives him. He serves God. He goes where God tells him to do. Obadiah is just a faithful man uh, living in Ahab's house, living in the world, uh, living uh, just, just has a secular job, has a boss that is uh, maybe not that great of a guy. But can I tell you, that's where a lot of you live. Isn't that right? Man, you got to work and you got to make a living and, and it's not always under the best circumstances in the best conditions. Uh, one writer I read behind called Obadiah a secular saint. And uh, that's exactly what he was. He just served God where he was at. And, uh, and I say, God bless you. Thank God for those of you that you work and, and, and you work amongst people that are filthy and, and, and they're, and they're and the filthy mouthed and the dirty jokes and all kind of things going on. That's all right. You just serve God where God puts you. God has put you there for such a time as this. You shine a light and do what you can. Be, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. But you use the opportunity that God's given you to try to serve God wherever you're at. What a great servant Obadiah seemed to be. He's a governor. He's at the top of the, of the totem pole in Ahab's administration, it seems like, which tells me something that he was a man that was faithful to his job. He was an employee that had a good testimony. Man, God help us with that. I heard some guy, one guy told me that he didn't, that uh, I heard him talking about that he didn't want to hire Christians because they, they're the worst. They don't show up for work and they don't do what they're supposed to do. Man, that's, I, don't, I don't want to be your testimony on the job. I hope you have a good testimony. God, God can't use you to witness to your boss if you're not showing up, if you're stealing his time and stealing his money and, and not doing a good job. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. He's a man, the Bible said, that fears God greatly. And so here he is living in uh, Ahab's house under his rules, but yet he fears God greatly. What a great thing that is. Here's a man who used his influence and his resources in a positive way. He said, I can't do much. I can't save them all, but I can hide a hundred in a cave and I can give them bread and I can give them water and I can try to help them and be a blessing to them. That's a blessing right there. He's a man that's courageous. He had a little courage about him, right? He could have he lost his life. Ahab hated Elijah. Ahab 
uh, Jezebel hated Elijah, hated the prophets of God. If he was found at all aiding and abetting the enemy at all, he would have been, he would have been in severe danger of his own life, and yet he did it anyway. And so I think that's amazing. Well, amazing to me, God used them. Jezebel thought she killed all the servants. She couldn't kill them all, amen. She couldn't kill them all. I'm so thankful she couldn't kill them all, and she couldn't conquer them all, amen. And I think that's amazing how God used this man in that great way. Obadiah's, Obadiah's feeding and, 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 and giving water to these prophets in this cave. And guess, who, guess who's paying for all of it? Old Jezebel is, amen. Amen. Old Jezebel's footing the bill. Amen. I like it when the Lord lets the devil pay for things. Amen. That's a blessing. And so I thank God for those that serve God in tough places. Not everybody's going to be the prophet in the spotlight. God calls and uses. He has his servants in the shadows. And I think we've got to remember that. They're both servants no matter what. There's not a big position and a little position. It's just we all serve a big God. And wherever he has us at. And so we got to be careful as we look at Obadiah. I, I don't want to be guilty of picking apart people. I don't want anybody picking apart my life. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to you know, sit on our big, our big uh, throne you know, and look down on these Bible characters. And we try to put somebody, well, they're either really good or really bad. And life's just not that way. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's a perfect servant of God. And so we got to be careful not to pick apart everyone in the Bible at the same time, though, I believe that there are some lessons to learn about God and our perspective of God from this interaction that Obadiah had with Elijah. And so I want to look at that together. I want to look at some things Obadiah said. Again, I'm not picking them apart. I hope, I hope you know I believe he's a good man. I believe he's trying to serve God. But he's just a man. The, the best of men are men at best. And we all have weak moments, we all have weak times, and I think we can identify really, really well with Obadiah. And what we find here is that God had sent Elijah to Ahab. He said, it's time to turn the water back on. I want you to go show yourself to Ahab. And this meeting does not take place until verse number 17. Now, we, we, we left off reading on verse 16. Verse 17 is when Ahab and Elijah finally meet together face to face. It's been three over three years since they met face to face. Elijah uh, has been uh, hiding. Elijah uh, hidden by God. He's been in Zarephath. Ahab has been in Jezebel. They've been looking everywhere for him. And now it is time to get together. But what's amazing to me is this, is that although God told Elijah to show himself to Ahab, before he did that, on his way to do that, he comes across this man, Obadiah. And God uses Obadiah to bring them together. Now listen, God didn't need Obadiah. God could have got Elijah and Ahab together without Obadiah. But it's amazing that to me that God didn't need Obadiah, but it seems like to me that Obadiah needed God. He needed God. He needed, he needed to learn some things about God. And can I tell you something? Listen, God don't need me. He can, he can get this thing done without me. I'm just the middleman. Amen. He, he, can do, he can do whatever he wants. Obadiah, that's what he was. He's just the middleman. He just set up his meeting. But I mean, God don't need me for anything. God, God, could, God has a, a zillion servants to do a, a better things than I could ever do in my lifetime. God don't need But I'm sure glad he lets me get involved in his work. And that'll bless. it's a blessing that God lets us get involved in his work. God didn't need Obadiah, but he said, Obadiah, you need me. I'm going to rope you in and bring you in on this thing and let you learn some things about me. And when God gives us a task, it's not because he needs you to do something. Uh, it is because we need him to teach us something about himself. When God gives you a task like Obadiah is given in our text uh, to take Elijah to Ahab, 
and get Ahab and connect him with Elijah. That was Obadiah's task. And when this task was given to him, it wasn't because God needed him, but it was because Obadiah needed God. And this was an opportunity for Obadiah to know something better about God. Anytime God gives you a task and lets you in on something and lets you serve him, it's not necessarily because he needs you. He wants to teach you something about himself. That is the great thing. You know what the great thing is about serving God? It's God. It is. I mean, and He blesses us and He rewards us. But the greatest thing about serving the Lord is you get to know Him. And you get to interact with Him. I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. That's serving God. A yoke is service, right? It's work. That's what it represents. He said, take my yoke upon you. And listen, He said, and learn of me. That's the greatest gift you have of taking His yoke is you get to learn of Him. You know, I feel sorry for those that don't serve God with their life. I feel sorry for those that are backslid and carnal and don't want to do anything for God. You know why? Because you're missing out on one of the greatest relationships ever. You're missing out on getting to know God. It's not what's in it for me. And it's not, well, what am I going to get out of it? What's He going to give me if I don't know. It's you get him. You get to know him better. You get to be his servant. And that's that's what we see going on here. Verse 8, Obadiah is given a command. This is God's plan for Obadiah. This is God's will for Obadiah. It's real simple. It's very simple. It goes something like this. Obadiah, go and tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Go and tell Ahab, I'm here. That is his task. And he's given this plan. It's almost like, we could, we could think of it like this, that he's been given and it's been revealed to him God's will for his life. He's got a task, got a plan that God has given him for his life. But as you see in our text, verses 9 through 14, I want you to block off those verses in your mind, in your Bible there, because that's all Obadiah. He's talking. He's doing all the talking in these verses. And in these six verses, Obadiah is given every reason why he cannot do what God just asked him to do. You ever argue with God like that? You ever try to give God some good reasons why he's wrong? You ever try to give God some good reasons why what he wants you to do is just not the greatest idea in the world? Sometimes we find ourselves like Peter. I can't help but think about that when old Simon Peter heard the plan. Jesus said, here's the plan, boys. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going to be spit on and mocked and ridiculed and chief priests and rulers, they're going, to, they're going to string me up and they're going to hang me up and they're going to kill me, but don't worry, three days I'm going to rise again. And Peter said, not so. He rebuked them. He, rebuked, he pulled Jesus aside and said, that's a horrible plan. I want to say, Peter, who do you think you are, man? When God says to do it, there ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. God is God, Right? And, but Obadiah begins to give these excuses just like we do. Man, we give these excuses why, man, God's got it all wrong and this task is just too hard and it's too dangerous, it's too, it's too extreme uh, and God, it just it never worked. This is, a, this is a horrible idea. And I love how he, how he talks in verse 11 and verse 14. I underlined a word and this is, where, this is where the Lord really did a work on my heart in this text right here. Verse 11 he begins to say, and now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. He said, and now you want me to go and tell Ahab uh, that you're here? 
And then he says it again in verse 14. And now thou sayest. He begins to talk about everything that's going on. Every reason why this is a bad idea. And he says, and now you want me to do this? And I can just see God shaking his head up in heaven saying, yes, now I want you to do that. You know why? Because God is the God of right now. He knows what's going on right now. He knows where you're at right now. He knows your limitations and your weaknesses right now. But he wants you to know he's the God. God of the right now and if he gave you a task to do right now then he will equip you right now and he will be with you right now and he will help you and he will see you through right now because he is the God of the right now I think Obadiah struggled with that now he served God in the past and he feared God in the present But yet there still seems to be a void, a lack of faith. And he needed to be reminded that God is the God of the right now. If God has put something in your life right now, I want you to know that He's here to help you with it right now. If He's put a task in your life right now, He will help you with it right now. If He's put a situation in your life right now, He will help you with it right now. If He's put you in a valley right now, He will help you with it right now. If He's put you in a storm right now, He will will help you in that storm right now. Whatever God has you in, right now, I'm talking about 6 o'clock, 6.50 on July 17, 2022. He is the God of right now. And whatever you got waiting on you outside of these four walls right now, I'm here to tell you that God is there to help you right now. He is the God of the right now. And I want to just emphasize that just for a few minutes and we'll go home. Number one, let me say this about these lessons that Obadiah needs to learn, we need to learn about God is this, first of all, God is not intimidated by your present. God is not intimidated by your present. He's not intimidated by your present situation. He's not intimidated by your present circumstances. You see, in verse 8, he's given this simple task. But in verse 9 and 10, he begins to respond almost like he's informing Elijah of what's going on right now. Don't you know how things are going right now? Look what it said verse number 9. He said, and well, let me look at verse number 10 first. I'll jump back up to verse 9. He said, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whether my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and they found thee not. He said, Elijah, don't you know how much Ahab hates you? Don't you know he has not left any stone unturned looking for you? By the way, just a little side note right there. Isn't that amazing? He's been looking in every nation. He's been looking everywhere. But when God hides somebody, you can't find them. When God's protecting somebody, I don't care who you are. You ain't going to find them. Amen. Listen, when, when, when your life is hid in Christ with God, listen, the devil can't find you. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why the devil can't get my soul. He can't find it. Amen. He can't find me. I'm, I'm protected. I'm hidden in God, in Christ Jesus, thank God. Anyway, he looked everywhere, but he couldn't find... He said, I mean, Obadiah knows. If anybody knows how Ahab is, Obadiah knows. Obadiah lives in his house. Obadiah sees Ahab every day. This man hates you for three years. Every time, every time one of his animals die, he curses Elijah. Every time, every time, you know, they don't have anything to drink, don't have any water and food, and there's a famine, and every time his people are complaining to him, he's cursing Elijah, and Jezebel's cursing Elijah. And man, Elijah is just the most hated man in all the world. And God, 
and Obadiah says to Elijah, you want me to go? To, he's looked for you everywhere. You want me to go to my master, uh, Ahab, and tell him that I know where you're at? Listen, when we've been looking for you this whole time, he said, what are you trying to do? Get me killed? He said, this assignment is a death trap is what it is. Man, this is a suicide mission. You're, trying to, you're just trying to... In fact, he, he says in verse number 9, he said, have I sinned? He said, what have I... Elijah, I thought you liked me. <laughs> I thought we were friends, Elijah. I respect you, Elijah, as a prophet of God. Why do you hate me so bad that you're trying to kill me like this? Ahab made every king, every ruler under his reign swear an oath saying they don't know where you're at. They had to put their hand on the Bible. Not the Bible, but put their hand on something and swear by Ahab. They didn't know where uh, Elijah was. And now... You want me to go in light of everything that's going on right now in this kingdom? You want me to go and do what? That's what Obadiah is saying. But can I tell you something? God knew exactly what was going on in Obadiah's life. You think what Ahab was doing was any secret to God? You think what was going on in the present situation, the present distress, was any, was, any, was any secret to God? In fact, God knew what was going on in Obadiah's present day. God knew what was going on in Ahab's house long before he ever gave Obadiah the assignment. And God knows what's going on in your life right now. It may be intimidating to you, but it's not to God. You, we look at these bills, and we look at these problems, and we look at these doctor's reports, and we look at these family issues and all kind of stuff, and we say, man, man, just what, what intimidating things are. Man, it's just so big. It's just so great. And I don't, but I've got to tell you something. God's never been intimidated by anything. Nothing intimidates God. Man, all of Israel's army looked at Goliath and said, Man, he's too big to beat. Amen. Old David got to look at God and said, Man, old Goliath, he's too big to miss. Amen. It's just all your perspective, how you're looking at things. When, when compared to God, everything is small. Everything is little. Listen, you say, Well, I'm only going to take the big things. That, your big things are little to God. Nothing intimidates him. You say, preacher, you don't know what I got going on in my life right now. It don't matter. I know God is bigger. Amen. He's bigger than the boogeyman. All right. It's coming out. My veggie tail's coming out. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. And it may be intimidating to you, but it's not so with God. I think one of Obadiah's problems was, and though he did serve God and he loved God and he feared God, I'm not trying to rip the man apart, but he's a man like you and me, and I have the same problem Obadiah does. And one of those problems is that sometimes we view God just way too small. He started looking at Ahab and said, Man, Ahab's really big. His kingdom's really big. Man, his threats are really real, and they're really serious. And he can really do a lot of damage. He can really put the hurt on a lot of people. And he began to look at Ahab and see Ahab and Jezebel really big. And he saw God that was really small. And he began to look at God and he began to view God's assignment. This is what God has for your life. This is what God wants you to do. And he viewed God's assignment as something that was sent to hurt him, didn't he? He said, have I sinned? Are you trying to slay me? Are you trying to kill me? God... Put this on my plate to punish me. That sounds just like the, the widow woman in the last chapter. Remember when her son died? He said, man, are you, man, is God judging me? How come when, when things go wrong and when things... That's the first thing we think. Well, God's just judging me. This is what I deserve. He's pouring something out on me. And sometimes God's just trying to teach you something about himself. Sometimes God's just trying to change your perspective. He'll let something real big come in your life uh, so he can be bigger. So you can see him as bigger. Obadiah felt like God was 
sending him on this assignment to harm him. And it all comes down to what do we think about God? you really believe God's a God that's trying to hurt you or you believe he's your father and he loves you and he's trying to take care of you? Obadiah greatly feared the Lord. It's what the Bible says. It's what the text tells us in verse number 3. But it seems at this moment, at the right now point in his life, that Ahab just seemed just a little bit bigger to him. Maybe he just feared the wrath of Ahab just a little bit bigger than he did the command of God. And I'm just here to tell you, I want you to know before God puts anything in your life, before He puts a trial in your life, before He puts a task in your life, before He puts anything in your life, I want you to know that God has already considered all the factors. You're not going to tell Him anything. You're not going to be like Moses and say, God, you got the wrong guy. I can't even talk good. I can't do this. Listen, don't you know, listen, that's exactly what God told Moses. He said, look, I made man's mouth. I'm the one that made it. I made it all. I made the blind and the deaf and the dumb. I, I made it all. I know what you got and I know what you don't got. And listen, before God called you, and I, I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I struggle with insecurity just a little bit. You ever do that? feel like the task is here and I'm here. I feel like, man, Lord, you got the wrong person in the wrong place. And man, I can think of 10 other people and 20 other people, 100 other people do a better job than what I could, I could ever do. And I believe God just has to slap me upside the head just a little bit sometimes and say, listen, I knew you before I put you where you're at. I know who you are. I know your weaknesses. I know your downfalls. I know everything about you. And listen, I called you and I put you right where you're at. I know you. I know your enemies. I know your opposition. I know your weaknesses, I know your strengths, and I know it all, and yet I have called you to do it anyway, and so what we need is not more trust in self, we don't need self-esteem, we need faith in God, that God is right, and if He's called you to do it, then He'll see you through it. Amen. And Obadiah needed a measure of that, didn't he? Out of his heart, just, just like any of us is coming out, hey, my present situation, I just can't, I can't tell you how many people, they won't serve God right now because their present situation. Preacher, I would serve God, but I just got this. Preacher, I would surrender to God. I would do this, but I just got this, this, and this going on right now. Can I tell you something? God's the God of the right now. Yeah, listen, if you're waiting till a time when it's easy and there's no problems to serve God, listen, you're going you, to be sitting around a long time. There is no easy time to serve God. It's always been faith. It's always been difficult. It's always been a task. And it always will be to serve God. Amen. And you know what you might as well do? Might as well just put your work boots on. Amen. Put your big boy pants on. Amen. And just trust God and go do what He said to do. Believing that if He tagged you and if He tasked you and if He told you, then He'll help you get it done. No matter what your present circumstances are. They're not too big for God because He's the God of the right now. He can take care of it right now. So God is not intimidated by our present, our present problems, our present circumstances. But secondly, I want to say this, that God not only is not intimidated by our present, but secondly, God is not influenced by your predictions. He's not. I want you to see what else. Obadiah keeps talking. He talks the whole time. Here, Elijah barely says any words at all. Obadiah is doing all the talking, all right? That's what nervous people do. They just talk and talk and talk and talk. That's why I preach a long time. I'm just really nervous. But look what it says in verse number 12. I like this. <laughs> he says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. 
<laughs> oh, oh, Obadiah's the prophet now, ain't he? If I was Elijah, I'd be like, now who's the prophet? You the prophet or am I the prophet? We can't both be the prophets. <laughs> who's making the predictions now? Oh, yeah. I like this. He said in verse 12, and it shall come to pass. Like he's some kind of prophet of God. He's, gonna, he's predicting the future. He said, I know exactly what's going to happen. If I follow through with this, if I obey God, if I serve God, here's what's going to happen. And it's like the worst case, awfulest, craziest scenario he could come up with. Obadiah is the prophet. Three times, and you can go through and pick them out, but three times in his text, he, he prophesies. He shall slay me. He shall slay me. He shall slay me. He's going to slay me. Every scenario Obadiah worked out in his head, it all ended with him being beheaded by Ahab. He's going to die if he does what God said. Ah, oh, this was no prophecy. This was no really prediction. I'm tell you what Obadiah was struggling with. He was struggling with something every one of us struggle with every day of our lives. It's a little something called worry. You ever worry about anything? Does your worry ever create hypothetical situations? <laughs> Does your worry ever put together these like worst case scenarios in your mind? Am I the only one like that? I know I'm not. I'm in here with a bunch of sinners. Amen. I'm the only one that thought, oh Lord, I know what's going to happen. Listen, I can, sometimes I can hardly even enjoy good things because I think about how it's going to go bad. <laughs> Oh, man, just think, you know, anyway, I'm not going to give any examples, but I don't, you don't want to know what goes on inside my brain. Amen. I, and likewise, feel it's mutual. Amen. But we do the same thing. Oh, oh, Obadiah, he had it all figured out. He said, man, if I obey God, if I obey the man of God, if I obey the word of God, here's what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to go find Ahab, and then the Spirit of God is going to pick you up and take you somewhere else, and then when I come back, you're going to be gone, and Ahab's going to kill me because I was lying to him and pulling his leg. And that's exactly what we do. We sit around and we worry about what's going to happen. Man, if I really serve God, if I did this, and the devil, he'll start lying to you about things. Man, if I really sold out to serve God, I'm going to lose my kids. Man, if I really, if I really did that, man, I'm going I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to lose my job. I'm not going to have any money. Man, if I, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Man, I'm, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied. I, this is not going to work out. It's going to be awful. And the devil will tell you lie after lie why you cannot serve God. And if you do, it will end up bad for you. And you will create all these crazy hypothetical situations in your mind about things that may or may not even happen. Listen, 99.999% of the things that you think about in your mind, they don't ever come to pass. You're a horrible prophet. You ought to be stoned and put to death. You're so bad. Amen. All things, oh, this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen that way. But yet, that's the way we think of it in our mind. When we're driven by fear, and we're, and we're just so worried about things, and he's, he's just struggling with worry. He's just a man that's struggling with worry. He said, I'm worried. And, and man, it's, it's, his worry's a little crazy, isn't it? It's just a little weird. The Spirit of God's going to carry him somewhere else. Like, has that ever, I haven't read anywhere where that's happened any. Now, I know it's going to happen to Ahab, uh, I mean, uh, not Ahab, but it's going to happen to Elijah a little bit later, right? He's going to be carried off into heaven, but it ain't happened yet. I'm thinking, where's Obadiah getting this stuff from? Where's, man, he's been reading too many science fiction books, or he's been, he's, been watching, he's been watching too much Star Trek late at night or something like that. Yeah, man, you're going to be beamed up, and you're going to be transported somewhere else. 
He's got these, and I thought, man, oh, Obadiah, he's thinking about some crazy stuff, but man, I think about a lot of nonsensical things that go through my brain as well, just crazy things. I think, man, you know, if I serve God, if I give out, if I, if I stand for this, if I stand for truth, if I, if I try to obey God and mind the Lord, well, this person's going to get mad and that person's not going to like it and that person, they're going to leave the church and they're going to get upset and all that kind of stuff, when a lot of that couldn't be further from the truth. And you just worry and worry about things. And I know we all do that. And again, it comes down to how he viewed God. He viewed God as somebody, he said, God's a God that's just going to leave me hanging. He's going to give me a task and tell me to do it, and he's just going to leave me foot in the bill. He's going to leave me, he's going to leave me hanging. I'm going to tell you something. God's not a God that will leave you hanging. If you trust him, if you step out and you obey him, I promise you he'll be there for you. I promise you he will. He will God will not leave. He's never left one hanging. He will not leave you hanging. I promise you that. He will be there. You step, there's not been one person that's ever stepped out by faith and then fell to their death. God has been there for every one of His children. Even when I thought I was stepping out on faith and doing the wrong things, God still protected me. Amen. Even when I probably made the wrong decision, but the Lord knew my heart and I, was just, I thought I was doing the right thing, He still helped me out and didn't let me be utterly cast down. That's how gracious He is. That's how wonderful God is. Amen. God, God loves you even when you do cra- crazy things. Amen. Amen. God's there for you. That's, that's not our God, a God that will leave you hanging. Our God is the one who clothes the lilies of the field. He's the God that takes care of every sparrow. There's, listen, there's not, there's not a bird that's ever missed a meal for 6,000 years. And if he can do all that, he can take care of you. He can take care of me. We have no reason to worry. We have no logical explanation for our worries. We just need to trust God. If he's giving you something, you just do it. And just believe that God will take care of you. Because He will. So He's not influenced. Listen, your predictions have never made God... You know, you, you tell God you worry and say, well, this... And God's never been like, well, you know what? You might have a point. Maybe we need to change the plan. God's never done that one time, has He? Well, God's not intimidated by our present. He's not influenced by our predictions. Let me give you one last one and I'm done. God is not impressed with your past. He's not impressed with your past. It's amazing to me that verse number 12, he's talking about, oh, he's going to slay me. And then he starts talking about his younger days. You see that? The end of verse number 12. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. He said, don't you know? Don't you know? I mean, I've served God a long time. Listen, I got a little, let me tell you a little something on my resume here. And he says in verse number 13, Was it not told, my Lord? He said, you, you must have not heard. You must have not known what I did. He said, When Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. He said, Don't you know what I've done? He said, listen, I know you think I'm just being scared. And I know you think I'm just being afraid. But listen, that's far from the truth. I'm a courageous Christian. I promise you I am. Don't you know what I've done? Listen, didn't you hear about the guy that hid a hundred prophets in a cave and fed them with bread and water? He said, yeah, that was me. (laughs) To which God says, I don't care. I don't care what you did back then. Listen, that's great. I'm glad you served God years ago. I'm glad you had a moment of courage and stepped up to the plate and did something. But God is the God of the right now. 
He's the God of the today. God's not impressed with what you did back then. He wants to know what are you doing with His Word right now? What are you doing with His command right now? And it's so easy to sit on the stool of do nothing and just read our resumes out loud to God and tell them about all the great things we used to do for God and how we used to live for God How that somehow, and, and, and feel like that somehow exempts us from serving God today. I'm here to tell you, God is not impressed by what you used to do. God wants to know, will you serve Him right now? Will you be obedient to Him right now? Where are you? at right now with him. Amen. He's not impressed by your past. Now, I don't know how this thing goes. Sometimes I, I imagine these stories just a little too much. They've been influenced by Hollywood probably, you know, in my mind. But I can just see old Elijah just, you know, with his arms crossed, just looking at Obadiah. Just stone-faced. Like, can you just do what God tells you to do? I don't care what you used to do. I don't care that you used to serve on, that you were the grand gizzard wizard of the toilet paper committee, you know, back in the day. And man, I, man, I used to teach a class, and I used to run a bus around, and I used to go out knocking on doors, and I used to do this, and used to do that. Great, whoop-de-doo, that has nothing to do with what's going on right now. This is a totally different day. This is a totally different task. This is a totally different thing. I'm glad you used to serve God, but what you going to do with God, with what God tells you to do right now? In verse 14, he said, And now thou say, Don't you know everything I did? And now you're asking me to do something else? How dare you? God's not impressed with our past. He just keeps talking. It's almost like Obadiah, he knows that he's on the wrong side of this issue. People that know, they just keep digging, you know? They just keep talking and they just keep going. It's like, and they, it's, it's almost like argue, uh, uh, Obadiah's arguing with an Elijah that's not saying anything. Because he knows he's really not arguing with Elijah, he's arguing with God. And what Obadiah did was admirable, it was courageous, no doubt about that. But you can't live in the past. You can't live on what you used to do. What's God calling you to do right now? What's God expect out of your life right now? I don't care what your title used to be. I don't care what everything used to be. What's God doing in your life right now? And are you, being obe- are you walking in obedience right now? That's a great question for all of us. Because he's not through with you. He wasn't through. It wasn't like it wasn't like Obadiah. He did his thing. He served his time, and now he's retired. No, no, no. This 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 servitude to God. It's a lifetime assignment. You sign up for a lifetime. You don't serve a term and then get out. You don't do your tour of duty and then you're done. No, you're in this thing till till your last breath. And your assignment today may not look like your assignment you had yesterday. Some people they're just not they're not able to do what they did years ago. And that's all right. God, God doesn't expect you to do anything that, that He will not empower you and enable you to do. Amen. That's exactly right. It's a totally brand new assignment for today. And instead of polishing up your resume and, and just sitting around thinking about the good old days, why don't you figure out what God has for you right now? What's He telling you right now? Why don't you just buckle up, buttercup, and do that? Amen. Just do some of that. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around the piano.
He's the God of the right now. He wants you to serve Him now. He wants you to trust Him now. He wants you to do what He wants you to do right now. And I love this, how Elijah just says, verse 15, he assures them, as the Lord of hosts liveth. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded, hey, God's alive. He's going to take care of you. He's good. He's the Lord of hosts. I like that title of, of, of God. It means he's the God of armies. He's the, he, he, listen, he's the God of battle. He, he, he can take care of whatever's going on. He's the Lord of hosts, and he lives Baal is dead. Ahab is just a, just a pawn on the chessboard. God is the God that lives, and he is in control. And he said, As this the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. All Obadiah needed, before we rake him over the coals, and I hadn't tried to be doing that tonight. I think there's just some lessons to learn. We struggle with these same things. But when Obadiah was assured that this is the word of God, and he was assured that God's alive. You know what he did the next verse? He went and did it. He just went and did it. He, he, at, the, at the end of this thing, listen, don't, don't judge the man because he struggled. Because we all struggle. In fact, God would rather you struggle and do it than for you to just nod your head and say amen and live in rebellion. Isn't that Matthew 21, I think, one of those parables? Man had two sons. Gave him a task. I'm not going to quote it just right. You have to look it up. But he gave both of them a task. One of them said that they would do it, but they never did. One of them said, I'm not doing it, but he did do it. There's only one that did God's will. There's only one that did right. That's the one, even though he struggled with it, he did struggle. He said, I don't want to do that. But yet he ended up doing it. And I'm going to tell you what, we all, this old flesh, man, it fights back. It struggles. You're going to struggle I've never, I've never found serving God to be the easiest thing in the world. It's a str- Every day of my life is a struggle. But you know what I want to do? I want faith to win in the end. I want obedience to prevail. I want to serve God, and I want to be obedient right now. What does God have for you right now? Because He is the God of the right now. Let's stand together all over the building.